Welcome everybody back to the Game Vault Podcast. I am your host, Mark, and today uh, we are joined by Tom. Um, but uh, before we get into our normal thing, uh, just a little announcement to make. Um, we will, Jen will probably be on hiatus um, uh, for the next few months as uh, baby Game Vault on her side um, is coming. Uh, so we uh, will be just me and Tom. Um, for as long as Tom can go, and then we'll uh, keep you updated on what will be uh, future podcast um, from there. But um, yeah, we still got a little bit of time to figure that out. But uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but without further ado, Tom, what have you been playing? I have been playing more and more Sea of Stars. Nice. Let's just say I got to the point of the game where I uh, weeped like a little girl. Okay, so I'm assuming you got to... Good, sorry. No, I'm saying not that that's a bad thing. No. Uh, But, you know, it's it was a very sad point in the game. Uh, So I've reached, uh, I guess you would call... I've I've reached the Sea of Stars, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, Yep, yep, you got to that transition point in the story where one of your characters is revealed in full. One of your characters is revealed in full, and all of a sudden, it is the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, I, I think I'd mentioned to you in the Game of the Year podcast, but, you know, has a little bit of Final Fantasy VI vibes um, at that point, and I was excited to see um, you get to that point. Very, uh, very much Final Fantasy VI vibes. Like, crazy. Yeah. Um, I love that the music has changed also. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed, but once you get to that point, it com- becomes much more electronic and mm-hmm. futuristic. Um, I hope that's not spoiling anything. I don't think it is. No, 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 no. no. I, I game's been out a while, so um, I, I love that the whole the whole vibe of the game. Changes. I love that yeah. it's not just oh hey, it's the same game only you're in a different place. I like the yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. We're not giving away the story stuff, so which is much more important to why you are where you are and all that. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad you're at that part, and which means you've gone through the really sad, um, you know, part. Yeah, like I said, uh, I was I had tears rolling down my face, and it was a real gut shot in that yeah. game, a game that you assume is going to be lighthearted, and you just get hit in the face with that. So it's uh, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, really well done. Um, part of the reason is in you know, so high up on my list. Um, and there's still more to come with stuff. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like parts, parts of this section drag a little bit, but, um, once you hit the story stuff, it gets real good. Uh, yeah. So yeah, getting that, getting that RPG itch, you know, about, you I'm know. trying to, I'm, I'm really trying to get this done before February 29th. <laughs> so I was just going to say, yeah, we are both That's in the cool. holding pattern for February 29th. Um, I'm slightly in a holding pattern for next week um, or this week um, when when the episode releases um, so that I can get a little Persona 3. But yeah, we are all looking forward to Rebirth uh, coming out. I watched, uh, you know, some more, you know, Maximilian Dude stuff um, because he's been keeping track of any updates and stuff like that, which I think are going to stop because he's worried about getting spoiled like the last trailer, um, the final trailer before Remake was very spoiler heavy. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with him. I've I've stopped watching any new like revelation re- reveals or anything like that cuz I don't want to be spoiled. I want to 
I want to experience it. And I've seen a lot already. And I feel like I've seen too yeah. much as it is. So I'm. Yeah. And a lot of it is stuff we know. So it's not like they're revealing how it's different. They're, we know Vincent's in it. We know Sid's in it. You know, we yeah. know these places are in it. Um, they're they doing a lot of the stuff we're, we're expecting to see. But at the same time, I want to experience it yeah. for myself for the first time. 100%. So uh, just pushing through Sea of Stars. It's basically your at the moment that is my goal is to get through Sea of Stars. And if I'm lucky, I'll get to play the first Final Fantasy 16 DLC before that, but I don't know that that's gonna happen. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah on the uh flip side for me, um, I've been just basically treading water. Um, yeah, we had to uh postpone um the Final Fantasy 16 DLC, that'll probably be this weekend. Um, it was supposed to be last weekend. Um, so I'll be streaming that. Uh, but in the meantime, I got the, um, final, uh, the last of us part two, um, upgrade the $10 upgrade, uh, on PS five, uh, which basically I paid $10 for, um, the, uh, developer commentary that's on there. Um, and for the, um, what's it called the roguelike mode, um, which I haven't even tested out yet because I'm playing through the story again. And um, that, that game still still hits really hard, even though you know um, what's going to happen at certain points and hearing them talk about it. And, um, you know, I, I disagree slightly with some things they said about it while I agree with what their choice they made. Um, just hearing the, direct, the developer commentary and just going, eh, that's not why I would have done what you did. But it's good to hear what they were thinking at the time. Um, we'll get into deeper into that uh, type of thing later in the show. Uh, so I'm pointing to that game still looks gorgeous. But again, I already played part of the game through the um, the update that came through for the PS4 version, the PS5. Um, so I don't know how much of an upgrade graphically um, this uh, remake uh, remaster did. Uh, but I'm fine paying like $10 for what I got. Now, I wouldn't pay the 40 50 or whatever um, it would have been to buy it brand new, um, but it is definitely worth it if you never played it before um, to you know buy it at that full price um, because you're getting the extra stuff I paid for and paying less for it than I did. So, uh, But yeah, still a great game. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun to see what they do on the TV show side of it because there's so many avenues they could go uh, with it. So besides that... Um, I've been playing through, you know, just some, you know, doing sports game stuff um, uh, and starting up, uh, you know, uh, Yakuza Kwame 2. Um, got through the first scene, which is still one of my most ridiculous opening um, scenes in a game. It takes place in a graveyard and you fight a bunch of people in a graveyard and it's just Yakuza and it's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like I said, I'm just treading water to this weekend. Uh, so that I can play Persona 3, which I am going to try and stream it all. We're going to play it in large chunks, one weekend day each each week. Um, and I think that's good enough for me, um, just because once February 29th comes here, I'm going to be playing you know, Rebirth off-stream most of the other days of the week. So that'll be a way to force me to do something else and you know, stream. But yeah, definitely looking forward. Um, yeah. Now, how how long of a game is Persona 3? Because we know famously that Persona 5 is a 100-hour game 
just to do the story. Yeah, it's about 120 if you do the story, meaning five if you do the story plus uh, plus some side stuff. Um, so like main game plus. Um, yeah, yeah. I think if you go just straight hardline story, I think it's 80 to 100. Like without doing, there's a side thing in five called Mementos, which is like yeah. uh, endless dungeon. Um, if you don't do any of that. Um, which I don't know if you can skip all of it, but if you don't do any of that, it takes about 20 hours off um, the game. But yeah. Um, but yeah, three, I'm not entirely sure, because I think, I think four is, is shorter than five. Um, this was a PlayStation 2 game, so I would imagine, you know, they're not as long. Um, and I know, know. I know it got a PSP release, so it can't be yeah. that big. Yeah, so... Yeah, what, what I'm thinking is that at worst it takes me the year on doing it once a week, mm-hmm. you know, three to four hours a, a stream um, to get through. But yeah, should be fun. I'm going to do not, a little bit of min-maxing um, uh, just uh, for uh, confidant stuff, um, you know, to make sure I, I do my best to max up at, to max level all my relationships. Uh, but I won't be looking at like spoilers or, you know, just, just, just stat stuff. But yeah, so have, you ever, to that. have you ever played Persona 3? Yes, I played a little bit of uh, PES, which is the uh, um, one where you can have the female protagonist. Um, okay. This one will be just, just the guy, just the original um, Persona 3. Um, so, yeah, I'll see how the story isn't going to be much different. They essentially, it was very, very bare bones, the differences between. They just changed some pronouns and stuff like that in some cases. Um, a lot of the times they just they just reference you in most Persona games as this guy or that person or you, um, you know, because they don't they can't say your name because you can put your name in. Oh, okay, um, it's for those for, games. Yeah, yeah. So kind of a Zelda esque thing, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that, you know. And then we got um, you know a bunch of games coming this year um, that I'm excited for. But the early part of the year is definitely going to be, you know clogged up with with rpgs for me specifically yeah yeah i oh, i'm i'm very much looking forward to it <laughs> and uh speaking of um fun rpgs things um uh power world seems to be very popular um as we move on to the news here um yeah so apparently uh about a few days ago uh, i believe that been friday roughly if my math's correct um there's their Friday uh, Pals daily um, active players surpass Fortnite on Xbox, and that's significant because it's on Game Pass. That's probably why Xbox was more likely for this to happen than, say, PlayStation or Steam. Um, and they were playing um, up to 200 minutes on average. Those players. Um, so I, I've also seen that this game has sold eight million copies. Yes, that's wild to me that yeah. this little indie ripoff game not that it's a ripoff. It, it's a uh, pokemon with guns yeah <laughs> but uh it's crazy that so and, many people have played this game yeah yeah it's a uh, they had a concurrent um on the 24th of january of 1.8 almost 1.9 million players on steam and it overtook counter-strike to be the second most played game on steam on that date crazy. um yeah yeah, so uh, my favorite part, I haven't played any of it yet. I did download it. Um, but I love that it's also partial commentary on, um, you know, that Pokemon are basically slaves, essentially. 
<laughs> well, they are. In, yeah. I mean, if if you're if you're they are and they aren't. Yeah, yeah. And it's a slippery slope with that that argument. Yeah, but um, they, yeah. but yeah, the the fun things is all TikTok videos about um, you know, they uh, uh with all the Pokemon working and they just, you know, uh playing, you know, just showing how much it's like um instead of having them out in the field fighting, they're all like uh pickaxing for rocks and stuff like that. Um and they're like, This is how I play Pal World. Um <laughs> And yeah, it, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, this game that we thought was a joke. You know, it was like, oh, that can't be real. You know, when they first revealed it. Oh yeah, every, like, everybody thought it was a joke. Nobody thought it was a real thing. Yeah. And then it comes out, and millions of people were playing it and bought it. So obviously, that led to our next story. Um, the Pokemon Company <laughs> makes an official statement saying we intend to investigate. <laughs> That's never world. a good sign. That is never a good sign. Don't um, invest. We don't want you to investigate. Everybody's having fun. Leave it alone. Yeah. So just, the, as you, um, just as you can't make a proper 3D game, does not mean that people can't enjoy uh, a 3D Pokemon esque game. Yeah. And yeah. So obviously, I think they. It's a little bit easier um, to get a, a ruling in their favor in Japan, if I remember correctly, because they don't have like fair use and all that stuff that we have here. So at worst, I guess they could stop it from being sold in Japan um, or whatever. But of course, you know, I I think they're going to come up with the argument that too many of the creatures look too much like Pokemon, which there are a few. There are quite a few that look similar or like copy, copy my homework, but change it just enough. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what the outcomes could be, but people are seeming to enjoy our world quite a bit yeah yeah the, the main thing they're jumping on right now outside of this is that people were modding in actual pokemon into the game um yeah which so. i can certainly understand them not liking that but if you're if it's a pc game that's gonna happen yeah yeah so um i've also seen that the uh the developers for pal world are uh basically saying like apologizing for cheating but like it's going to take them a little bit to to fix it you know, because they're a smaller team. So just just be a little patient, I guess, is what they're saying. Well, yeah, it seems like a very indie-esque game. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many people they actually have working on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is definitely something we'll follow. Uh, probably not with as much um, joy as we did the Microsoft um, Activision stuff, because that just turned into, like, sharing the tea on things with the pettiness back and forth. But this seems like it. A legitimate, you know, thing that could have precedent in future um, games going forward if the Pokemon Company does take the, the step forward um, on it. Um, so moving on, next story. Um, no surprise here, um, but um, apparently people really want Tifa in Tekken 8. Um, Can you blame them? And so much so that the, um, the head of Tekken had to address it. And he goes, we all know she is attractive, and I understand it, was part of his statement. Um, so uh, people have been trying their best to, because um, uh, you can create characters in Tekken now. Um, yeah, people have already gone out of their way to create her and other Final Fantasy yeah. characters. Yeah, so they, uh, they, he understands why, you know, uh, 
uh, Harada says, uh, but they have not decided on guest characters yet. Um, but, you know, they will let us know when they do. Um, and she hasn't been in a fighting game, technically, since yeah, the 90s. Probably. Yeah, I wouldn't um, imagine. There wasn't Air, anything at the remake, so. Yeah, since Air Guys, I don't think, I don't think she's been in anything yeah, fighting-related. So, yeah, it's not much of a stretch that they could. I mean, if they get the approval from Square, which I don't know why Square would say no. Um, you know, they had Noctis in 7, I believe. So, you know, with this popularity, um, yeah, but I don't know why they don't just... FIFA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But meaning, like, if they want someone to buy the DLC characters... I know, but I'm just you know. saying, Noctis is not Tifa. Tifa is a much more well-loved character than Noctis, so... I was saying more that if they got Noctis from Square... It's possible, you know. for sure, but like I said, he's he's not nearly as pos- popular as, excuse me, as Tifa. Yeah, yeah, so definitely something to keep an eye out if you are uh, a Tekken fan. Um, I know that just got released to uh, some really good reviews from the very minimal fighting game people that I do follow. Um, so, haven't heard any, like, terrible things about it. You know, a lot of them seem to have felt fallen off Mortal Kombat um, 1. Um, so I haven't heard about any of that with Tekken so far. Um, so hopefully it stays popular enough that uh, Square will be willing to give one of its more popular characters over to it. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, oh, so we... I should probably also say I was not counting Disgaea as a fighting game. Yeah, I don't. That's not it. It's not a 2D fighting well, game. Yeah, I'm. I, I wouldn't also include anything that was like in the square universe because it's very easy for square yeah to just put her in whatever yeah so this is for things outside of it um and more nintendo news um uh, it looks like koji kondo will be inducted into the dice hall of fame um if you don't know uh who koji kondo is just means you just play video games and don't really look into any of it um or have never read credits to your favorite video games so um, he is most known for uh, the Super Mario Brothers theme, uh, The Legend of Zelda, uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Super Mario Sunshine, Galaxy, Wonder, Skyward Sword, and so, so much more. Um, if you're thinking of a Nintendo title from the NES era, like first party Nintendo stuff, there's most likely a chance that Koji Kondo was involved with the music. He's basically the goat of uh, Nintendo music. Yeah, so you've definitely heard his um, his music before. And if um, I'm not mistaken, doesn't he have like a little ditty he puts in every every game he does? Yeah, it doesn't. There is definitely something. I'm not good enough with music to have described that, but um, <laughs> and it does not say it um, in this story here. Um, but yeah, the yeah he uh, joined some past inductees: um, Ed Boon, Kojima. Tim Schafer, you know, uh, that crew um, into there. Uh, probably uh, will pass due for an honor like this, but um, definitely, definitely deserves his flowers. And even if you aren't into video games anymore, if you ran across uh, Nintendo, you have definitely heard his music before. And that's not what many people in music or movies can say that. Um, even the most casual of casuals can pick, can know your music. Yep. So, yeah. And then our last story 
And this one's exclusively for uh, our good friend Jen, um, Roxy Foxy, um, third chair in this podcast. Um, Horizon Forbidden West um, is coming out on PC on March 21st. So uh, she can finally uh, play the second game um, in the Horizon series. Um, she is a huge fan of Aloy um, and uh, the first game. Been waiting for the PC release um, since her uh, PlayStation 4 um, bricked and wasn't able to play the second game here. Um, so, yeah, coming out on the 21st. Um, for those of you um, that uh, want to know some of these things, it looks like it's going to have support for widescreen, like ultra wide, like there's 21.9 and then 31.9 and even 48.9 um, screens. Um, and the uh, and it even for I don't know why or how why people would do this, but it seems to have compatibility with gaming stations that have a triple monitor setup. Yeah, that's um, that's not yeah. un, unheard of. Yeah, I've never uh, seen that pointed out as a feature. So Nvidia used to do this this thing called Nvidia Surround a long time ago, which was three screens stretched all the way across in the in one picture stretched all the way across it it's pretty popular with racing game racing sims um they they tend to use it a lot but if yeah. they're if they're putting the game together for 32 by 9 and bigger then going across three standard screens is not that big of a yeah. stretch no pun intended yeah they haven't uh put out any requirements yet i guess that would probably come in a few weeks here uh, but it will have a DLSS three in it. Um, so that's good. Yeah. I'm assuming that the, um, you know, higher, obviously with PC gaming, you know, it depends on whether you want performance or quality, what, what part of the, um, requirements you lean towards needing, whether a GPU or, you know, uh, CPU RAM and all that. So, um, Yeah. Hopefully, this has some special thing where it gives her uh, burning shores um, as well, as they sometimes pack in everything I'm into sure the complete yeah, edition. Sure game of the year edition or something. Yep. yep. So, just wanted to throw that one out there um, for Jen. Um, and then, um, with uh, speaking of PlayStation exclusives, um, with the Last of Us 2 um, uh, remastered released and me. Yeah, doing really my first uh, director commentary or developer commentary um, for a game. I thought a good topic for this week uh, would be, you know, games we wish had um, sort of a developer commentary while you played the game. Sure, there's making ofs and, you know, documentaries you can watch, but just the idea of playing through the game and they interrupt the game and, like, talk over the scene about it. Obviously, it's for after you've beaten games as is a requirement in Last of Us 2. Um, but I thought it would be a good topic of discussion here. And um, Tom, um, what, what's one game that uh, off the top of your head? Um, and um, I think I might know if you have a few where what one of them is. Um, but um, yeah. Yeah. So what were you thinking? Well, one is going to be kind of obvious and that's going to yeah. be, I'm going to throw a wide net and say the Kingdom Hearts series, just because it would be, very much help with whatever the hell is happening on the screen at that moment because famously kingdom hearts is a very hard game to get what's happening in the story at that exact point in time yeah. so uh 
and the fact that there's just so much happening. There's so many worlds. There's so I would love to hear what the mindset was for using specific worlds in specific games. And I just think it would be a very good fit for a director's commentary. Now, it being a Japanese yeah. game, it would probably be kind of difficult to do that. Yeah. Um, but it would be it would be cool. I, I, I they 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 do kind of have these sort of things with the Ultimania guides that are, they get released for these games, but nothing's as good as hearing it straight from either the director or, or someone who worked directly on the game. Yeah, yeah, that I feel Kingdom Hearts, if they do something like that, would definitely uh, clarify some theories that go around about different things um, in the game, if they were intentional or if it was, especially if we go into like two and some of the side stuff, if, if some of the stuff they did in there was intended from the beginning or did the popularity of the first game sort of dictate trying to make this ridiculously convoluted, connected um, world. Um, that, that would be something I, 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 for me, I think two would be the one of those games I would like to hear just to say, you know, hear him talk about, Hey, so, uh, you know, we went with very traditional Disney stuff for, and, you know, once we got popular, you know, we knew we could expand a bit. And that's yep. why these worlds were in there and, and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that is definitely, I feel it fits a certain genre of game. Um, and, you know, uh, definitely RPGs are top of that list. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for me, um, I would I would like the first game, I'll go, go a little... A Western um, RPG. Um, I would I would just love to hear the director commentary. Now there might be one out there because it is a newer game, um, essentially. But um, I would I would really like to get the the developer commentary on uh, Mass Effect Two. Um, That's also a good one. Yeah. Just just from the sheer fact of a Mass Effect. Literally for me, uh, maybe I wasn't as in touch with the industry as I am now, um, or care about it as much uh, back when that first came out. But I literally bought that game like on a whim. I was just in, it was either Best Buy or Target or something. And I just saw the cover and I was like, ah, oh, that seems interesting. Um, sure, I'll pick it up. Um, and went home, played it, loved it. And then I would just love to hear, because there's so many interesting things in that second game. The idea of coming up with all the different, you know, crew members, you know, in terms of, you know, knowing that, there might be a case where some people don't even get certain people or don't even do their loyalty quest and how you figure that into the game and all the, all the uh, uh, choices and branching story paths and all that. Um, that would be fun. Probably a lot more complicated than um, like a game like uh, Kingdom Hearts or even Last of Us where it's a little more linear in terms of how you can do a director's commentary. Um, yeah, but, I'm sure it would. I'm sure it would be rather difficult to do a, a director's commentary on a game that has 700 branching paths or yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, but it, just even if it's just like the main general path, like even if it maybe it's worth you know you can go through the game multiple times and you know with the commentary and all that. Uh, but yeah, that that was one of the first games that popped in my head because I really really tried to think, um, even though I do. Um, go against this thought process with a couple later choices. Um, but I was trying to uh, stay away from just the sheer fact of it being an audio only medium. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it would be very awkward to do um, 
many heavy Japanese games, essentially because of the uh, translator um, thing would, you know, real have it just be, you're not even really here, and unless you want to do the Japanese into the English translation, um, which would be perfectly fine with me, and that would probably be the only way you could do it. Um, but it would be, I feel like that would be more set for a documentary. But yeah, yeah, that's why Mass Effect 2 was the first one that popped in my head. Yeah, and... and- Kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, an early uh, 360 title for me was Assassin's Creed. I would have loved to seen yeah. a Assassin's Creed style, uh, Assassin's Creed uh, game with director's commentary. Uh, and the thing that kind of got me thinking about it was a movie you guys just watched on uh, TC Tam that kind of what seemed like a precursor to what they did with Assassin's Creed uh, okay. with using a uh, using a relative to go back in time. Yeah. So yes, I would transfers. Yeah, transfers. I would be interested to see if that was if that played any part in it, or if it was just a coincidence, or or what. Because uh, it's a pretty interesting concept, and it's not something. It's it's a it'd be a very big coincidence for them to be using that same style of uh of uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, time travel. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I also yeah. I mean Assassin's Creed has so much so much interesting stuff going on in besides that fact with where it takes place and uh, the tight the the dealing with the different types of characters with uh, the assassins and the um, the Templars the thank you the Templars because yeah. in in most Western media Templars are the good guys so it's interesting to see uh, the the flip of the script on them. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they, they go halfway there um, in, I believe origin was the first one to do it where they have like the, his, the um, historical commentary um, mm-hmm. where basically it's a whole separate mode of the game. You just go to a place, click in and they talk about the history, not so much the development of it, but sort of like, Hey, so this, this pyramid first, you know, was this blah, 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 you know, yeah, there's basically, definitely... They definitely do some of that in the game where they explain um, different uh, yeah. different places. Uh, you can click on them and see more information on them. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely... I would I would have loved to hear what they were thinking when they were saying, you know, oh, I want the this game to take place here. Yeah, it would have. Uh... Yeah, I I would have just loved to hear their thoughts on like like translating the idea of all the different historical figures they use because mm-hmm. like you know. Da Vinci's a little bit different than what, you know, we've read about him in history and, you know, Ben Franklin in three, even though many people never didn't really play that game. But, um, you know, just just that stuff, just the how they, you know, you know, uh, twisted history around in some cases or, or, or um, changed expectations on things um, would be fun to hear about. Um, I think I think that's the next step to take. Like historical stuff is great. Um, you know, it's very history teacher thing that they, a way to get into the younger generation to get them to learn about these places, you know, have walking through Assassin's Creed, um, instead of just slides or, you know, a video, like with some dry historian talking over it. Um, it's it's very cool to see those places come to life. Yeah. It's not, it's not something you can see. I mean, there's few places, I mean, there's, you know, like Colonial Williamsburg, for example, but. Yeah. There's few places that you can go and and see what it was like during that time. Yeah, it's just 
Um, it's just a really, really good, really good idea. I, I, I like that. I would love, I would love specifically to um, uh, see the uh, the developers talk about going through um, how they how they made Unity. Uh, I believe that's the French Revolution one. Even though with all yeah. the stuff that happened to it, just the idea of like that was the first game where they like just did massive crowds and just the the development of coming up with that idea and executing it. So. Unity was the first game I ever got completionist uh, para- uh, paralyzation. It was the first game where I hit the menu, like the map button, and there was like 300 things popped up on screen. And yeah. I stopped playing after I saw it. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to finish this, so I might as well just not play. I think I got like a quarter to, to halfway through that game before I was like, all right, I can't. That was the first yeah. Assassin's Creed that I did not finish. I had finished every one of them up to that point. Yeah, that's probably where there's like a there's definitely a line between the people that played the older Assassin's Creeds and you know when they stopped playing and then the ones that picked it up Origin and forward. Um, but yeah, the I would just love that would be the one that I would love to hear the, the commentary on because for the good and the bad with it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so Assassin's Creed really good choice here. Um, and then for me, my second game, um, is like I had said before, um, I, I honestly, this might be one of the obvious choices, but I would just love to know the idea of, you know, just, just the original Super Mario Brothers, just walking through and just having Miyamoto talk to me about the the level design and why they chose to do this and why they chose to do that in each, each specific level. Um, and like, what was the first idea of, you know, putting this little, um, trick here and with the idea of an auto scroll, you know, just stuff like that, um, on the original game and trying to get it onto that hardware at the time, you know, and what sacrifices they made and all that. Um, I feel that it would be an entertaining, um, play through of that game and it would have, it'd be a short one, like, you know, wouldn't be like sitting through a, 40 50 hour game um you know uh with you know just with in in terms of platformers just talking about the levels um i mean with it being a shorter game i i would just like to get to the nuts and bolts of him talking about each level like oh in one two we decided to do this i'm know? surprised that that doesn't exist there's probably That's- like a whole documentary of the whole thing but i'm really asking too much of, of it being a broken down to each individual By level. level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a lot, but yeah, I I would love to hear that too. I mean, that's that's the first video game I ever I can remember playing. So, to see to see them explain what they were thinking when they were going through and making making them would be uh super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was that was one of the first ones that came to my mind and yeah, I only have one more. Do you have a third? I have a third. All right. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'm hoping it's not the same, but it could be, uh, mine, my other game that came to mind was the original Red Dead Redemption. Yes. Uh, Rockstar went out on a limb doing a spaghetti Western and I really enjoyed the first Red Red Dead Redemption. And I, I was not a big GTA fan at that point. So for me to get engrossed in that game and enjoy it as much as I did, uh, really speaks to what they were able to do with that storytelling. Um, so I, I would love to 
to see if they were thinking about a, a sequel or a prequel at any point while they were doing the game, uh, if they left in Easter eggs for another game upcoming. You know, I'd love to... I'd, I always love to find out about that that sort of thing. These games, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the just the just the idea of you know going into a whole different time frame for me. You know, they did the modern crime thing, and now they're you know going to do Western outlaws and keeping it as true to what the actual history was, and not you know what we've seen in Tombstone and White Earp, and you know the the more modern depictions of it, um, or even the the westerns from the fifties and all that, um, uh, was very very risky at the time. Um, you know, to to take that to take that swing after you know even GTA Four, which was I think the game before Red Dead Redemption, um, you know, was basically printing money. Um, and you know, and you go and make your next big game something you don't know people will even buy. Um, and I would just love to know, you know, that's why, you know, just the inspiration um, for certain um, themes and characters and what did they draw from movies and what movies and, you know, just, just that kind of really the stuff that you do get from, from director's commentaries um, uh, in, in movies. So, yeah, I think... I feel like Red Dead or even a GTA one would be closer to a director's commentary and development for me. Like I would just want to know the, the the thought process behind the themes and not actually like the motion capture stuff with it. Yeah, um, I'd be much more interested in hearing what their thoughts on the story than, you know, the technical backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, those those are really um really big games and I wonder if it only worked for um you know the uh, games. Games sort of like like we want to hear like yeah from big personality studios as well would be would be here. We wouldn't like want the uh, I guess I guess people that have the reputation for being um, you know fun on a microphone. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, my my final game. Um, I didn't really want to go with any of the Zeldas because um, you know there's not not a whole lot. Um, there that I can or be able to pick one of them that I would really want to know. I pretty much can figure out what it, what it, um, maybe maybe just ask what the hell were they smoking when they made Majora's Mask in a good way um, <laughs> because that game is such a such a mind um, you know uh, I don't want to say mindfuck because it's not really that but just sort of the idea of a giant moon crashing you know like just what that thought process was for that game but. Um, I think my I think my final game and um, would be I I would actually just love um, to hear what uh, you know I'll I'll bring I'll bring it in I would like to just have it for any of the Final Fantasy games um, I think the first one that comes to mind would be surprising to most I I would just like to have a commentary for thirteen yeah. I mean, yeah. The fact that it's linear, I feel like, would help that yeah. uh, type of commentary uh, up until a certain point, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I agree with you on that. Thirteen, I think, is a great choice for yeah. a director commentary. Yeah, especially especially looking back, like them having the, um, I guess, the hindsight and stuff of the reaction to it, and um, you know, going to three games with it, and just 
talking through that first game as, you know, the why they made the decisions they made um, that made it so much different than even I, than even 10 was um, in terms of world and story. And I guess, is it the first shot at, you know, getting ultra high res 3D to, you know, where we eventually get with Remake? Um, and just the... Did they see something in doing the, the the futuristic stuff over the you know high fantasy um, medieval type stuff um, that twelve definitely was and ten kind of is a little bit for the most part um, but yeah yeah that that game thirteen for sure um, I would I would love to um, I would love to see it and I I know you know. Not one of the more popular ones, but definitely one of the more intriguing ones on my end. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I I think 13 was has been the basis for most modern Final Fantasies with the battle system. And I, I've said on the podcast previously that I think that the basis for most battle systems now, especially uh, Remake, is based off of 13 with the stagger meter and everything else. So... I'd love to hear what their thought process was with that. And like you said, why did they choose to break it into three games? Was there stuff they couldn't do in one game? Were they limited by the 360? Because I think I want to say that uh, 13 was four DVDs, four discs. Yeah, it was a so lot. I, I'm sure they had limitations because they were pushing the hardware so hard. But I would love to hear about that from them for sure. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. Um, uh, unless if you have a fourth one that you absolutely want to talk about, I, I think. No, I think we're. I think good. that's all I have. Yeah, yeah. So, everyone out there, please uh, send us um, on Twitter um, or Blue Sky or Threads, um, wherever you follow us um, at Game Vault Pod. Um, games you would like to just have a director's commentary, developer commentary. I know some have already been out there. You mentioned Half Life Two, I believe. Um, there's one for like Duke Nukem and stuff like that. Um, a lot of those first-person shooters, I think, do have them. Um, but yeah, just other games you guys can think of. Um, uh, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but, Tom, I know we've been holding it off for most of the episode. Uh, but we do have to talk about our Retro Roulette game this week. Um, so why don't you introduce us, introduce it to the, to the fans. Sure. For this week, we played Batman Return of the Joker for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it, this was, I believe the second game on the NES, uh, it was another Sunsoft game. Yes. Uh, I think they, I feel like they put out most of the Batman games in the beginning for Genesis and NES and, uh, possibly even, uh, Game Boy. But yeah, we, uh, we played through this. It was, let's just say it, it is an NES game. That's for sure. Yeah. Quite, quite a lot, quite a lot of memorization needed and, um, difficulty was, Right up there with pretty much anything else. Like, yeah, and hundred uh, percent um, for for me um, playing through it. Yeah, it just felt like I got through some of the levels just by memorizing, you know, where things would drop and kind of just trying to scooch forward. Um, to this was, this was a very marked game. Yeah, going as slow as possible. Yeah, <laughs> in a platformer. Um, my favorite thing um, was. Uh, the fact of having infinite continues um, mm-hmm. did, did help out a lot to get you used to that memorization. Um, so while it was punishing, 
it wasn't as punishing as it could have been. Um, you know, if they well, kept it making it you... been a lot worse. It could have been a single hit death. Uh, it could have been three continues. There's a lot of stuff they could have they could have done, but uh, luckily they they gave us a little a little leeway. Yeah, yeah, and the um, you know the whole idea of you know just I, I don't like in these games uh, specifically when. Some, it's a problem I have with like Ninja Gaiden and even partially Castlevania is where it hits like you have to take a hit. Like I don't think there's any way to do a no hit run in some of those games. Like you're meant to do the damage damage boosting as they call it, where you take the hit and then you're you know you get the invincibility frames and run through um, you know to the next part of the level. Um, this has a lot of those situations um, in it. Um, this and in terms of making you go all the way back to the beginning. Um, I'm glad for the infinite continues just because it would have very much reminded me of Arrow the Acrobat um, when I had to play that, where once you lost all your lives, you went back to the very first level, no matter how far you got um, in it. There wasn't like... Not the games back then didn't have checkpoints like they do nowadays, um, which is essentially what this game was. It was one of the first early checkpoints um, systems uh, while still using the continue idea. Uh, but yeah, the the platforming for the most part is fine. It's a sunsoft platforming, you know. It's it's really more the enemies um, and the random stuff falling from the sky that you have to get used to, um, knowing where it's going to land and how far the blast radius is. Um, you know, when like rocks fall from the sky, no, it's not where the rock is falling. You also have to give it about two feet of space. Mm-hmm. Um, as well. I think that's the part that really pissed me off in, in this game, you know, or not pissed me off so much, but like frustrated me um, in that, you know, and then once you got through it, it wasn't, it, I always like if something is frustrating in a game, I want the end to have like that Dark Souls feel of when you beat it, it feels like, you know, success and yay, I did it, not, oh, thank fuck, that's over, you know, and that's, this game more was the latter um, where I'm just yeah. glad I, I don't want, I'm glad I don't have to do that again, you know, more than, you know, feeling accomplishment. I agree. I agree with that. This was not a celebrate that I did it more than a, thank God I don't have to do that again. I very much agree with that. Um, yeah. I wish it wasn't. I mean, Sunsoft is known for their music in their games and man, they did a good job with the music in yep. this, but it can be punishing at times. And it, we were stuck on a level on the stream for probably a good 20 minutes just yeah. because there seemingly was no way to get through a part without taking a hit. And if you don't stop in exactly the right spot to not get hit by uh, a falling object every single time, you're you're screwed and you're just going to get hit every time and you're going to die. Which, yeah. when you're used to games now, what you you should be able to either run past those things or or uh, easily avoid them there should be some some way to do that and there was it's just you'd have to walk forward and then walk back and walk forward and walk back the whole the whole way and it it was pretty brutal for the most part yeah not that it yeah. not that it wasn't good cuz card games are allowed to be good but it was just a little much to deal with yeah yeah the the idea of learning that the boxes that you can destroy cannot be destroyed by the enemy. Um, 
you know, helps in certain situations to avoid um, damage stuff. Um, I felt like not as much watching a speed run, you know, helping me go through this quicker, but it did help me learn like where, like where to be for certain things, you know, for like, okay, for this not to hit me or if, you know, if the speed runner is damage boosting through this and I can do that, you know, damage boost through it, it'd be yeah. fine. But yeah, I, we, uh, I think we got basically to the same location. Um, you know, uh, I got through that level a little quicker than you because I knew, <laughs> you know, yeah. Have you watched me struggle on it for 20 minutes? And if you watch somebody who actually knew what they were doing, do it. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it helped a bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the main thing, um, that, uh, I took away was, uh, being able to put the passcode in to see the later levels and just see how basically impossible they seem, but I'm assuming that's like a ramp up and it's one of those, like you would, learn those things as you go along and also having the multiple continues to sort of recognize patterns. Um, but that, that final level right before the Joker fight is just, uh, I guess a masterclass in patience for some yeah. of the stuff that came out. You had to sit and wait for this stuff to go over your head and then move. And yeah, it was like the antithesis of like some of the, most of the platformers we know today and especially a Mario, um, that is definitely a little faster, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Um, about the game, it was visually it was a very good looking game for an NES game. Um, I think I think this is one of those games that defined the NES look. I think it really, I think it really pushed the hardware, yeah, audio audio wise and visual wise. Um, so I got to give it some some points and props there. But uh, but yeah, overall mm-hmm. a tough game. If you're a Batman fan. You may enjoy this. Who yeah, I, I will say, as a Batman game, this is probably the best-looking one of this era. Um, I mean, because, the sprites are huge, which is not yeah. something you see very often on an NES game. Yeah, yeah, and there's probably villains that, you know, maybe in the comics or maybe have made up. I wouldn't know. Um, I so, yeah, I that was one thing I was I meant to say. I didn't know any of the bosses. I, they all seemed yeah. made up to me. So Yeah, they could be very uh, well. But we, yeah, we'd have to ask the expert on that. But uh, yeah. I did not. I did not recognize any of. Them. Yeah, and it's definitely a step up improvement, despite what we complained about um, in from the original Batman um, for 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 NES, the original um, the Sunsoft game uh, for that. So that's a positive, and it's definitely better than the Batman and Robin game that we played earlier oh. on the podcast. <laughs> this <laughs> um, was by far the best Batman game we've played. Yes, and that's, not saying, that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, but, we're not going to uh, get the Arkham Asylum anytime soon. So no, um, yeah, Arkham Asylum is not retro, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably a lot closer than you think, though, Tom. I um, don't, don't remind <laughs> me. Mark, getting old very quickly. So um, let's go to our scores, Tom. What do you give it? I'm going to give it a three out of five. Uh, it was a it was a good game. Great music, great visuals, but the difficulty really not not just the difficulty, but the constant barrage you're dealing with kind of killed the game for me. Yeah. And uh yep, I agree. Um I'll probably go three and a half because uh just like I said on our my our game of the year video, which you can watch on YouTube. Um the just like Starfield, this game felt like the most seven out of ten game um that that I played on the NES. Um just Good graphics, good music, you know, the 
the movement and control seemed great, but just not enough there. And the the enemy placement thing and things popping in just off screen that would knock you into a pit um, is yeah, probably yeah. I, the biggest. I forgot, I forgot about the kickback. The kickback sucked. Yeah, that would be the only thing. Like, guys, that's one of the good things Mega Man and stuff got good, got well, is that something will pop on screen and give you enough time to adjust. This, yeah. it would be enemy and then the tornado would fall right after it. So you would have to know going in that that would be there. Um, that's probably where why it falls on the seven scale for me. Um, but overall, enjoyed it. Um, I'm not great at these games, so I didn't expect to go much further than just the stuff I watched you play and therefore had an advantage going in um, because I did really have a hard time with that boss. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I recommend if you're... Honestly, the only reason to play this game um, is if you're trying to play all the Batman games. Like, there's nothing classic about it that I would tell you you have to go back and play this game. Um, but if you're looking to look into the history of Batman games, this is definitely probably one of the better ones pre-Arkham Asylum. So, yep. Tom, let's spin that wheel and see what we get for next week. Well, Tom, um, thankfully, we did not go into license NES game hell. Uh, this week, uh, but we did pick a game um, that was one of the first games, Game Spot, yes, Game Spot tens, and that would be uh, you Chrono know, and, uh, yeah, the Chrono Cross. Um, I was trying to think of a way to transition it to you, <laughs> but, but uh, what I was going to say is uh, it's uh, one of the more popular PS1 RPGs, and it yeah. is Chrono Cross for Sony PlayStation. Yeah, uh, yes, so. We're playing through Chrono Trigger. This is the sequel. And yeah. Tom, what's your experience with the game? Very limited, honestly. Um, I've never actually done a full playthrough of Chrono Cross. I've seen like the beginning portion of the game, but that's about it. I've heard that people love this game. Um, I've heard people say that it's better than Chrono Trigger. I don't know how true that is. But you said, like you said, it's a GameSpot 10, so it must be good. So yeah. well, let's see. I've I have very limited experience other than knowing that it's a square RPG that's not Final Fantasy. Yeah, I and I will say for those of our younger listeners out there, um, it used to be a very prestigious thing to get a get a GameSpot ten. Uh, because when, when Jeff Gersman was their head of reviews, um, or even Greg Kishavin, um, they would literally um, interrogate the reviewer. If they wanted to give a 10, like they had to prove why it deserved a 10 and wasn't just given like carte blanche or just like ask, like, are you sure? Yes. Okay. Like they had to break it down. Why? Because they gave so few 10s out back then, Um, because obviously no game is perfect. So 10 doesn't mean perfect in the video game world. But yeah, that's why it's being one of the first ones um, on there makes it such a big deal and yeah why you know for those of us a certain generation a game getting that um tag uh, means a lot more than you see tens all over the place nowadays um from from like different media like if somebody has a love for a certain genre the most popular good game for that will get a 10 immediately you know it doesn't seem to be as scrutinized so i'm excited because i haven't actually touched this game because I brought it up multiple times on streams and, and podcasts is that 
coming across Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8 a little bit were like the end of my playing RPG stuff because then as I got later into elementary school and early high school, I was like, ah, that stuff. You, know, you got to play the man games. Got to be playing, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the sports games and the fighting games and not any of this magic stuff. Um, I still snuck and played Zelda in, on the side. <laughs> no one has to know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this was like, you know, of the era of like Resident Evils and things where, you know, of a certain terrible, terrible, you know, time in, in being a gamer. Uh, when it, you were looked down upon for what you played rather than what it actually should be and mostly is today. Um, everything is welcome. So I am excited um, to check it out. I am mostly excited, um, and it sounds like a bad thing that I'm going to say, but I really want to see PS1 loading on RPG, um, <laughs> especially early PS1 loading. Yeah. Um, because I know that that's what the Chrono Trigger PS1 upgrade, remaster, whatever it's for, was notorious for being awful at. Um, it was just terrible loading. Um, so I'm wondering if Chrono Cross, since it was made exclusively for PS1, um, works a little bit better or if it's just as bad. So I, I am excited and I may, may be, this may end up being a game that'll just be a side game for years. You know, get started with it and I'll, I'll go through it little by little um, for the next couple of years. I am excited. Me too. Yeah, I'm, so I'm very pumped. Yeah, so we'll get to see probably the opening hour, hour and a half um, tonight um, on stream. Um, like I said, um, Saturday or Sunday this week. Um, not 100% sure which day it will be, just for the uh, personal reasons that took out this Saturday and Sunday. Um, we'll be finishing up <laughs> this Saturday and Sunday without getting too into detail. Um, so uh, just keep an eye on the Twitter. Um, you know, uh, we'll be we'll probably be, end up being a double stream um, if I can do Saturday and Sunday. Um, one day will be the Final Fantasy 16 DLC. Try to get through as much of it as we can in one stream. And then we'll start up Persona 3 um, on that date. Um, I may go to uh, uh, Random Name Generator um, to name our character. Um, see what good ones we come up with. Unless I get some good suggestions from the chat um for that so uh be sure to check that out and um going forward for streaming um you know it'll be mondays tom will do what he can up until a certain point um my stuff will mostly be on weekends i'll try and do some weekday stuff um i just uh you know if we do um if any days free up you know fridays may become a thing and mondays may become a thing for me as well uh but middle of the week is sort of crunched together for me. Uh, so just be on the lookout for that. And also we're going to be doing some things on, on the YouTube. Um, so maybe if I just want to play a new game for a couple hours, just show it off to you guys or an hour, um, you know, sort of like a, a old fashioned giant bomb quick look. Uh, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do some stuff for game pass games and things uh, just to do that on there so that I can do it on my own time, multiples at a time for you guys um, there. So yeah, like I said, 2024 is going to be, a lot more of that stuff because I'll be on my own for most of it, <laughs> I would imagine, <laughs> um, um, with the channel, with some help from Jonathan and, and maybe um, some things here and there from other people. Uh, but we are welcoming two new Game Ball babies um, into, the, in, into the world uh, this year. So um, just be on the lookout for um, how everything will change here for, for a few months. So 
thank you guys for listening. I hope if you haven't already, please go check out the top 10 video. Um, I think I did a pretty good job with it. Um, not to pat myself on the back. I learned some tools on DaVinci Resolve um, that did some nice fading in. I did the blur fades, which worked really well with the, t- excuse me, with the timing on the audio. Um, the only thing I, I have to learn a deeper, maybe if there's a pro program, maybe that's why that wasn't on there, was having more options in terms of like title fonts and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think it, I think it went really well. So um, if you like what you see there, uh, let me know. Leave a comment, even if it's just nice vid, um, <laughs> will will be enough to get our comment stuff there. So all right, that's all for the show tonight. Um, quick one here um, with the two of us. It'll probably be this will probably be the length between this and an hour and a half, um, roughly, just because there's not an extra person talking about what they played. Essentially, it's where the extra 15, 20 minutes would be. Um, so. Thank you guys for listening. Um, for, ta- for Tom, I'm Mark, and we'll see you next time. Bye.